Setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. And it is Thursday, July 11th, 2019. Uh, one of us is a member of the Magic Castle. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. That was, that was an aggressive way to say that. <laughs> I know, against myself. Yeah. Um, and one of us is not. That's me. Yeah. Not a member. I wouldn't be anyway, even, even if I had passed the audition. Right. Uh, because I'd still have to do an orientation, uh, which I might or might not have been able to go to before we leave. Like, I wouldn't necessarily have been able to go when, this next week anyway. Do you know when it would have been? It's it definitely w- the the group one would not have been next week. I would have had to schedule a private orientation. Oh, was that an option? That was an option with some guy named Joe who mm. like knows the castle really well. Oh yeah, good um, old Castle Joe. Yeah, so it might. I don't, I don't um, uh, spoiler alert: I did not pass the Magic Castle audition, um, but it actually might not end up being any. D- I might be able to join the castle the same time I would have. If, even oh, if I had passed. Because I probably wouldn't be able to do the orientation until I got back from Scotland. Mm-hmm. So I've been told I can audition again in a few months. Um, Are you going to? I hope you do. I guess, but let's talk about this. This is really funny. Yeah, like, you, <laughs> the, you, you said some dark things to me over the well, past couple days. Well, stand-up and long-form improv are, are, I would argue, probably are scarier to people and have more direct rejection than magic, Yes, I would 100%. say. But magic is much more quittable. It feels so just like, I just want to throw everything in the trash and just burn it. Yeah, I know. Um, it's also because when you don't do well in stand-up, uh, you can go even the same night and do another open mic um, or do one the next day. Also, you don't come home and have a garage full of stand-up equipment <laughs> um, and like paraphernalia. Right. And you don't like, uh, yeah, you don't subscribe to a website called penguin stand-up that like sends you emails every day to like right. sell you more stuff um and I, I think and improv is uh has a much more social thing to it where no one's failures in long-form improv are really their own they're always like a group mm-hmm. failure or success you know and so there's a bit more of like a team kind of support thing in that right uh but magic feels very uh like it feel like it just feels very easy to like just give up on it. I'm not going to. I think I will audition again. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, from from a selfish standpoint, every time you say something like that, I'm like, oh, I hope like we don't just like stop doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I'll just keep talking about the comedy side. Right. Um, no. The, well, here's the problem is so I haven't like I had to, I brought my little case to the audition. Mm-hmm. I haven't even opened it since I got back. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't even want to look at that thing. Right. Um. So the uh, in case um people who don't know about the Magic Castle audition. Uh, according to some of the people that worked with us, uh, and by the way, they were very friendly, Saurabh, Misty, and DJ, who like sort of shepherded us through. There were like four of us there that mm-hmm. night. They sort of welcomed us into the hat and hair, and that whole process was great. I actually think the audition process overall is really great and probably better than most auditions that I've been to like for comedy things mm-hmm. or acting things. That's great. Um, they're super welcoming and... You can call them with any questions and all this stuff. And they're even encouraging. Like, I told them. Basically, what happened is I messed up one of the four tricks. Right. And I told them that. And they were they're still very encouraging about it. Um, so, all that is great. Uh, but according to some of them, uh, starting January 1st, 2019, the Magic Castle sort of raised their informal standard for what would pass mm-hmm. at this audition. And... Um, I don't know if this is officially what they're calling it, but they have a thing called like the green table rule now, which is that they only want to pass someone if they're comfortable having that person perform at one of the green tables. Right. Which I think I'll say, I think is a fair 
yeah. uh, is a fair standard, and I'm surprised that it had to be implemented as a rule in the first place. Well, um, um, the, have I seen some terrible performers at that green table? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I have spoke having sp- spoken to you and some other castle members. Um, not only have they seen people that they don't necessarily would pass that standard now, but I think there's a lot of magician members that don't perform at all. Um, so like I spoke, I've met probably five magician members that do not perform like magic at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would assume that those people are not, would not currently pass the green table rule. Sure. Um, uh, but I think it's a fine standard. Um, and I think I can meet it. We will see. Um, I would like to give a shout out to Theron, one mm-hmm. of our listeners, who also auditioned with me and did get in. Congratulations. Um, so, and uh, I really admire Theron's like hard work right. ethic. Uh, I think we t- spoke last week that like I didn't feel like in Sydney I worked as hard as I should have. Mm. Specifically, the trick that messed up, I didn't. I that was one trick that I didn't have the thing where people say like, um, you had to have like had a trick mess up in every single possible way mm-hmm. to know how to recover from it. So I've just heard that before. Right. That uh, and I've not. I do not have the experience with that trick. Um, also, I. Oh, so wait. This is the flip side. That's kind of frustrating. Is I have two <laughs> things. One is I kind. Of, I do feel like giving up, but I won't. I'll keep going. But then the other side that's kind of annoying to me is that I feel like I have to become like a worker now to like pass the standard to where like. Right. I have to go like actually like practice in front of audiences and like get really good. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part of me that's like, well, then I'll fucking become like amazing. Like I'll just fucking spend six hours a day for the next six months. Yeah, you should. You know, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like right. that's, and I don't know if that's a good direction for my life. <laughs> um, they did say that they they thought that if you got a, uh, told to re-audition in two or three months and mine was, I believe I haven't gotten the official letter yet. But I believe it's re-audition in three months is what I got. Mm-hmm. They said that if you got two or three months, that that means you probably would have passed in 2018. Mm. So, um, it's a strange thing to tell you. Uh, yeah. Just so you know. Just so you know. A year ago, you would have been smooth sailing. Well, buddy. I know, and it's also like, well, I should just audition in December 2018 then, with whatever I had at the time. Right. Um. So. Oh, so and the other thing I uh, wanted to talk about was that. I believe we have sufficient evidence to... Yes, I think we do have sufficient evidence from both your experience and from mine recently, yeah. Uh, to but, to uh, invalidate the Dave Tooney rule. Yeah, the Dave Tooney theory which is of magic. The, the theory of magic, which is you get a seasoned performer and give them like three or four tricks and they can do a show. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say... I. I could probably do a show for like a regular audience. This is, it's a very weird audience to do this audition for. And I almost feel like any magician probably would have some nerves about this because it's a, they were actually very receptive and warm in terms of like my script and my jokes, but like you're not going to get any response to the effects mm-hmm. because, and, and I pretty much didn't like, it's not going to astonish them in any way. Right. And they kind of tell you that going in, they're like, it's going to be a little bit dead from that perspective. Mm-hmm. So that is a very weird, I, maybe an experience like with your experience, you could handle that in a way that was like, I knew this coming in. So this doesn't bother me right. that I'm doing these things to like zero response. I mean, no, that wouldn't be pl- pleasant. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I do believe like if you took a seasoned improviser and made them, it put them in a relatively high pressure situation like this for me or my friend, Matt Donnelly, who is on the Penn and Teller masterclass. Mm-hmm. 
who is doing cups and balls for Johnny Thompson, Penn, and Teller. Right. That is he doing it for Piff too? I can't remember. No, Piff no. is not in that okay. episode. Yeah. I think that there's a limit to how transferable someone's stage chops are from one discipline to another. Right. Um, because there there is a rhythm. There is a rhythm in magic, uh, as far as even just the procedure. Yeah. Um, that I think that I, I find that non magicians have a trouble have trouble understanding and adapting to. Specifically, going off that Matt Donnelly video, you'll catch him a couple times uh, when he does that. He'll you know he'll like take a ball and put it in his pocket, or put take it out of his pocket and put it into the cup or something, and and then there'll be that sort of like that awkward like uh, okay. There's like some, something along yeah. those lines, you know, where, where at the end of this sentence, there's a sort of pregnant pause with some sort of little participle like an okay or a there, yeah. you know? And I, and I find that with people who are even experienced performers who are not magicians, mm-hmm. they have that sort of rhythm of the procedure and keeping it moving is, is difficult. The same way that I imagine it would be difficult for me to, even if you explained it to me and if you taught me how to do it, it would be difficult for me to write a clean setup to hey, hey. Uh, setup to a stand-up joke. Right? I, I think that would be one factor, and then the other factor would be when you got up in front of an audience and told that joke. It would be it would it would feel similar, but not that close to doing magic for people. Like, have you ever seen a comedian bomb? Um, ever? Have you ever seen that? <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and there's and, and there's that awkward moment where nobody laughs and they were expecting that that noise to be drowned out by laughter. Yeah. So instead of the laughter, you just kind of hear them go like, "So that's oh yeah, uh, yeah. that's like very... that." Like there's that sort of awkward thing they'll just say at the end of a sentence. Magic kind of has its own version of that when people kind of get tripped up or have oh. difficulty in the procedure of what they're doing. For sure. I mean, like I had a version of that where I had this trick that I did with a prescription bottle. And I eventually said that it was like my mind reading pills and I needed them. And then I read the person's mind anyway. And then I said, like, I guess I don't need these pills after all. And then I was, as I was putting them away in the audition. I was like, oh, wait, I do need these. These are for my diabetes. <laughs> and it didn't get <laughs> like I immediately felt like this was the wrong room to make that joke in. Uh, I thought it was very funny. That is funny. I like but that. but um, it's interesting. I feel like if I were on that committee afterwards, I'd be like, I like that diabetes guy. Yeah. Um, I think that um, uh, that room actually does feel like a lot of my comedic improv joke impulses are have to be tempered a little bit for mm. that audition room. Um, uh, by the way, Matt Donnelly is a very funny improviser and a good friend of mine from like New York mm-hmm. City improv. So like, and he's been performing longer than I have, so right. he's very seasoned and um, performing longer magic or improv. improv. Uh, probably. Maybe Matt. I mean, he's certainly gotten closer to the lidge. Oh, he's definitely performed more magic. Like, right. uh, he's been performing, you know, on tour with Piff and stuff. So yeah. he's gotten closer to the lidge and has had more stage time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think is that there are just undeniable physiological effects of being in a context that you are not comfortable within. Right. That you will be, your body will be nervous and have anxiety yes. in a way that you cannot control. Uh, can I, can I ask con- you about that? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I can control my response to it, but I can't control that. So what did yeah? So uh, what did you feel like going into the audition? How did that feel compared to other higher pressured auditions you've been in this year? Uh, like I was more nervous for this than I was testing for a pilot, right? For like the, a network sitcom, right? I, that's <laughs> what I was getting at. Yeah. Uh, but also, I felt less prepared. I, so here's a common thing that I. 
I don't, does Pete Holmes talk about this? But, but like imposter syndrome. Uh, um, she's mentioned it. it's not like his one of his staples. He probably doesn't experience it in comedy and acting. I don't have that. Like in, like I don't actually. I forget who who was. I've heard it on talked about a lot on podcasts where people are like, you know, I have this feeling I'm a fraud. And once people find out they're going to kick me out of show business. And a lot of people relate to that. And I right. don't relate to that at all. Like, uh, I don't think that I think I'm just fine. And mm-hmm. like, I think I, uh, have earned all the things I've gotten in those fields. Right. Uh, but in magic, it's almost like designed to have imposter syndrome. <laughs> like, right. It, it really is. I, I have imposter syndrome. With magic. Like even the mechanism of the basic, unit of entertainment that you're giving people right at its core like how every raindrop has like a little speck of dust in the middle of it or something like every effect it has imposter syndrome at the center of it yeah because <laughs> you're basically like not really doing what you say you're doing yes <laughs> well I, I even just in the term that i'm actually looking at it in a different perspective i'm looking at it in terms of every trick I do is based on something else someone's already done in some way. Yeah. From a very, very, uh, from, you know, a level of like this concept kind of existed and then it was built upon and built upon and then I built upon, you know, that for the fourth stage. Mm-hmm. Or versus like, I bought this trick and I, you know, put it in my act. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the, the you know, even the most quote original stuff is based on on something, you know? Yeah, like modern stand-up comedy today, there's a very clear standard for what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to write your own material and not take from anyone else. That's it. Like, you, if you don't do that, you'll be judged. Right. In magic, the standard is not super clear. Yes, it but, is unclear. <clears throat> but there's a lot of judgment floating around. Like, people seem to have very strong opinions about all these different gradations in the spectrum of, like, you went from one end just buying something off penguin and doing it from the other end going off into a cave and like completing some completely new method and effect right everything in between people do and also people get judged for yeah at every step along the way yes. um so yeah i feel a lot of uh uncertainty from an audience when it's especially when it's magicians about like what what level of contempt do they have for me doing this effect that they know how it works right. and they've seen, you know, other people do. Um, so anyway, like I think that um, it was interesting. Um, I was very comfortable going in, but then I had to go 20 minutes earlier than I thought. I like, I thought I would have like half, hour, half an hour mm-hmm. to like sort of settle and how long were you there before you had to go? I was only there like, 10 minutes maybe before they were like you were ready for you because two people canceled Mm. and they bumped some schedule around Mm -hmm. uh and then i went in um and i think that the next time i do it i'll just be i will know what the room uh even though it might not be there it might be in the pillar sometimes Mm -hmm. but like i will just know a little bit better how the, the vibe of the room is i will say that misty was in the room and she makes it very warm and friendly never met her but she seems nice yeah she was great um, she was kind of leading a lot of the like pleasant responses to mm-hmm. jokes and, or when you ask for volunteer and stuff. Um, I will say that I kind of maybe want to do something next time that has less use, less interaction with spectators, mm-hmm. um, because one, it's an it's an audience management thing that I don't have experience in, so I feel awkward doing it. Two, if it's in that room again, I guess that, is that called the cellar, the one that. You go downstairs and you walk down a couple steps and there's a little stage. Yeah. Um, 
It's not the easy the way they were sitting. It wasn't the easiest thing to. So you did it in the cellar. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you also in the hat and hair. Yes. Also, yeah. I can now say I've performed at the Magic Castle. That is true. Um, it's not the, on the easiest website. easiest thing to if you're not. I I didn't have anything where I needed to, someone to come up and sit, but I had things where I needed someone to like take this card from. I'll dribble this and you pull this one out or whatever. Like there was some interaction and the that it was an awkward distance to deal with. Mm-hmm. Working with them, and also I'm just not good at it. Like where I don't, were they sitting? They were sitting in the in the front row, but it just felt farther and out of the light mm. of where I wanted to be. Um, and I was thinking, like, if at least one of the four tricks next time is just like something that doesn't involve an audience member, I think it's like I can then practice that and make that bulletproof in a way that doesn't have random right. variables in it. It's probably appealing to all magicians. Yes. <laughs> I mean, how many times do you and I talk about this for my show currently? Yeah. How many of those FISM acts are just completely self-contained? Many. Yeah. Um, many, many, many. That is a new. That is a pretty common trend of the last couple FISMs that, uh, I mean, stage is a given. Yeah. Um, unless you're doing like mentalism or something, you know, uh, or comedy magic and you kind of need to interact with people. But with close-up acts, the, the, the recent trend has been to uh, um, do an act that doesn't require people often to music eric chen uh to music you know mm-hmm. um uh did it to music 2015 grand prix winner was pierrick he didn't do it he talked but he didn't use any spectators 2015 grand prix on frisch i'm uh, sorry a 2012 grand prix on frisch uh that was silent no music no spectators 2009 grand prix was sean farquhar he had someone pick a card but it's it's not you know mm-hmm. and that was like one person picking one card and they weren't doing um a, a whole lot and even and we could go down lists of like top people who place and a lot of them you know yeah i bet that uh as the more like technical the shit gets yeah the less you want someone to um i, I think robert was talking about that one of his peller shows mm-hmm. that like they just had it needed to happen in a certain way to music right. in a way that they just didn't want to have volunteers like take too long in this one part or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, we've seen Luis Almeida do his FISM act in the close-up gallery. Uh, uh, a variation of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was thinking it's interesting. Like if I sat down in, in October for another audition and did like, and just like started playing music and did like eight minutes of just like, and Shin Lim, there's someone first place card magic Uh tied with Hort Wu for first place. And also both of them music with cards. I wonder how they would regard that in an audition situation, because it's not like you can sit in the green table next to the bar in the castle with like a little Bluetooth speaker and be like, Hey, everybody you know, like walking around and be like, okay, now like everybody shut up. Here's, Here's my thing. That's a good point. I would if if you got dinged for that, I'd be pissed about it. Yeah. Um, because if like if you're if you're studying and going off of and recreating like what is sort of at the highest levels of magic right now, and they're like not for us, I'd be like, okay, pay attention to your surroundings. Yeah, I don't know that that's what they said, but but I for example. Oh, and, and I will correct myself. Shin Lim does use spectators to pick cards, but uh-huh. his his interactions with them are very 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 minor. And he uses spectators to sign cards sort of (laughs) yeah um uh so like his interactions with them um are are very uh minor so it's it's not as like hey what's your name come sit here they're like set they're preset and yeah he basically talks to them over the music actually um, you can't hear him and so that's a thing too where um i always found his speaking in the agt videos over the music 
it always seems awkward. And recently, um, uh, Danny Cole came back to Penn and Teller and did his um, uh, clothing stuff uh-huh. with the ties and stuff like oh, that. I haven't seen that. And it's it's a I I I think he's really good. Danny Cole, uh, he's brilliant. But yeah, I think great. it's really awkward the way that he talks over his music. The music is very strange. Oh yeah, I've never seen him talk. I've only seen him do that. To me. So he's doing it. And I almost think that they just shouldn't have had his mic on or something. So he's doing stuff like the tie goes away and he's like, or the hanger keeps falling apart. And he's like, what's going on? That's, I don't know why that happened. Oh, that's weird. Wow. Like, and it's just, it's almost like self-talk that you would do as the character she to be like, crack this door. yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so no, I don't think that they have said that that is the rule that, you should be doing that kind of act. However, as someone who's going to re-audition, and I'm not saying I'm going to follow this impulse, but I do have the impulse to be like, oh, I should do something more sort of like sit down at a table, cardsy, coinsy, close-up-ish. Like, if I was a per, like, in all honesty, if I became a professional magician, which I definitely will not, um, I would probably end up in like stand-up, situations more mm-hmm. than close-up right um because i don't i feel like more of my skills would apply to stand-up context and also i don't have the years to acquire the technical skills that are pretty much expected of like close-up acts sure so that is um this audition process doesn't makes me think i'd rather put something together three or four effects together that are more like close-up than like parlor because this the context of the audition is not really uh fitting of a parlor style act right um so i would uh by the way i'm also going to get notes and a video cool. so i was uh, curious if you'd gotten the notes yet i've not gotten them yet uh, apparently like uh by the way this is gonna be excruciating to watch this video oh i'm sure uh but i've asked you Can to I watch, watch the video you're gonna have to yeah sure i mean i was thinking like if 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 uh I feel like since it's me performing it, I pretty much own the rights to this video. The only thing is that it's inside this castle right. or whatever. But honestly, if podcast listeners want to watch this video, they can watch it too. Mm. It's going to be really bad. That's brave. Because I, I think it's not only that my fourth trick went wrong. I'm very sure that like Sorab called me yesterday to like tell me I didn't pass. And he mentioned that like they had, they had said that there were some issues with nerves. Mm. So I think I'm like telling myself this narrative of like, well, the fourth trick messed up, so that's why I didn't get in. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very possible that the first three tricks also have lots of like weird moments of like, you know, cringy. I know that I was like dry mouth and kind of like fumbling through some of the scripts mm-hmm. um, and also making diabetes jokes. Right. Uh, so I think that will probably be evident and it's very possible that even if the fourth trick worked that I wouldn't pass. Also, uh, Eric mentioned something too, which might be uh, feels like it might be true that they might just like if they sense someone as a hobbyist, they might just be less inclined to pass them the first time around to just kind of right. feel like, are you actually serious about this or not? It might be like a fight club thing where it's like you have to wait outside for three days. Yeah, maybe. And, and also I'll keep telling you to leave. The funny thing is they also asked me for like to talk about my background in magic. And I mentioned that like. I was an actor and comedian. I took the class there. And I, like I mentioned, the way I described myself was kind of like a, like. Did you mention the podcast? I did not mention the podcast. Oh. I wasn't sure if I should. And um, also I realized I should have mentioned that I've like 
helped direct her show and I'm like producing and stuff. But I think I presented myself as kind of like, like I'm an actor. I'm kind of new to this kind of thing. Right. I didn't say that, but I think it came across that way. So I think that might make them more predisposed to be like, oh, the things in his audition that were a little rough are because of him being green, which yeah. I totally am. So actually... If Edinburgh goes well, if my show goes well, yeah. um, which is a big if, yeah. uh, you're welcome to pimp that out next time you audition. You're like, well, you know, the Telegraph called this passable. And <laughs> I was involved. Uh, and I'll be like, actually, the Telegraph said it was missable, not passable. <laughs> you uh, could pass on it. Well, but that's what I said. Um, by the way, update on your show as of today. No, 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 no. Do you not no, want to no. say this? I, say it. Or do you not want to? Is it the same numbers? Same number. Okay, same. Yeah, okay. I, I thought you were going to say, like, we've sold out every show. No. Uh, and I would freak out. We have sold 56 tickets. Cool. So for listeners, um, that, which I mean, that sound that's actually quite incredible. Oh yeah, that actually makes me feel incredibly optimistic about. For for context, uh, finish your thought. For about, context, yeah. John is going to be have anxiety if there's zero tickets sold or if there's if it's completely sold out. Do you know how stressed out about this I am? About La- the sales? Uh, just the show in general. Oh, oh, oh. Last night, for the first time in 15 years, I was like, you know what? I need to take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> it was 2.30 in the morning, uh, and I got my bathtub, and I just soaked out. I just I just sat for a while. Well, so this is it. So and it, you know what? People don't take enough baths. It was lovely. Uh, I, I mean, other people, I, other people care about the earth, but... Um. I, uh, uh, is that using more water? It, it is. It, it uses be. more water. It took shower. a long time to fill up. Um, um, and then you first fill up, you just threw out, because yeah. you're like, you never use the first yeah, batch of water. Yeah, you never use the first one. What am I, a fucking amateur? Yeah. It's like pancakes. You always throw the first one away. Right. Um, actually, I would say a uh, good lesson from this. By the way, did I mention to you in Sydney, I realized the difference between our podcast and other magic podcasts? What? Our podcast has no interest in helping people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Every other mo- magic podcast is about like, hey, we're here to talk about making magic better and having it be like... Well, we talk about some of those things. We do, but like every other podcast almost has a specific like... Hey, if you want to like make your tricks better or whatever, like because I've listened to Shazam and Discourse and Magic, and like every single one is kind of like you know trying to push push the art of the listeners forward as well. And I was like, we're the only ones that like are just like fuck this shit. Like my my the stuff I'm working on is the most important. <laughs> um, anyway, funny. but use that as the vehicle to improve your own. You know, exactly. Listen to our f- troubles and learn from them. Yeah. At least, hey, at least you didn't fail an audition this week. If you I listen. did not. Even, even Theron, no, who listens to our podcast, yeah. can say he didn't do a magic audition this week and fail. Right. Um, I would say the lesson this for this podcast, though, is that um, the this is, I really believe this, the only way for you to get uh, better, like to get over anxiety about experiences is to have the experiences sure as opposed to this happens in improv all the time people think that they can like think enough about improv so that they're not scared when they go do it mm-hmm. stand up too like you that you're gonna r- stay at home for two months and write the perfect five minute set sure i've definitely been there with writing jokes with yeah um as opposed to just like the only thing that makes you feel better about it is going and doing it so this is like the first show that you put together for yourself that's an hour longer right right but I've produced stuff before, and so I've produced, what, this is one, two, this is like my third or fourth 
like rare, big thing to produce. And so I'm not as worried about it because even the worst case happening is not that big a deal. Right. I am getting closer. So like this morning, even actually packing my show to cut because we're going to rehearse right after this. Yeah. Packing my show to come here. I even like I'm solving little problems. There's a trick with water that has been driving me insane this week. Yeah. Uh, because there's... A, you fill a bathtub up, you throw the first one out. Yeah. And then there's a sad magician what a meta- in the what second a, one. What a metaphor that was last night, uh, <laughs> taking that bath. You should have practiced your trick in the bath. <laughs> in the bath. Uh, look like the exorcist. Um, Did you... So you fixed something in it? Um, I have an idea on how to fix something. Oh, no. I, 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 can't, I I noticed something and I went, oh shit, I, I think this could be... And I'm actually pissed off because I think it's a misprint in the instructions that I have oh. that are telling me what to do. By the way, we've sold 56 tickets. We have so sold... We've sold... Granted, we've sold 56 tickets across uh, 25 shows total. Uh, yeah. Hold on. 20, 25 shows. But we were worried that we'd sell zero tickets. Yes. So the reason why that is actually... So that is... I mean, 75 seats in the... the 74 seats in the theater across 25 shows. This is 55 tickets across all of them. That's that's like an average of one or two tickets per show, mostly. Yeah. One of them has like eight. A lot of them have zero. Um, one of them has ten. Cool. Uh... The a- very last show has 10 tickets sold. That's very strange. That is strange. Uh, often the very last show, it doesn't sell well hmm. because it's a Monday. Well, it's not too late. Yeah. And those people don't have to show up. But I mean, I don't care if they don't show up. Right. Uh, <laughs> I do. Um, so w- what's interesting about that is, I mean, look, there's the, I, I posted it on Instagram. I can maybe post another thing. But like, there's over 3,000 shows. There's a 400-page book. Of thousands, you know, of thousands of thousands of little ads, and mine amounts to no more than a one inch by one inch little, you know, picture of me from like an old picture, and like, hey, you like magic? Come see this magic show, and there are fucking a hundred other magic shows like just like that. Uh, There's probably five magic shows within a half mile of your show, right? So it's it's very interesting and quite impressive. I don't know what's impressive about it, uh, like. Um, but uh, it's pleasantly surprising. Pleasantly surprising. Like, impressive is it suggests that I, one of us did something that had an impressive. Yeah, it lo- it's it's a pleasant surprise and quite lucky that we sold these tickets, given that we've done absolutely no advertising in the UK. Um, yeah. So the and and my you know show is is a percent of a percent of a percent of all the shows there. And, and I have no name or recognition right. or credibility there. So the way the, that Baby Wants Candy does, or Voldemort does, or Thrones does. Or Thrones, yeah, for sure. I mean, Voldemort um, is selling okay, but not like way better than this. Mm-hmm. Um, How, well, you also have a much bigger... We have much bigger space. Like Voldemort proportionally, has, is it doing this similar? I, your show might be doing better proportionally. We sold uh, like 375 tickets for Voldemort. Okay. Um, How many seats are in that theater? It's 288. Okay. Um, and also, someone mentioned recently, but people do really buy tickets last minute. There. Yes. I just want to bring up that we've sold 555 pounds of yes. tickets so far. Five, five, five. Which, of which we get 60% after that tax, which is 20%. <laughs> it's like, if whatever we get, we tend to get like half or less of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have to cover the venue minimum for the right. month. Um, so, uh, but what I'm saying is, like, if you did an hour long show, like, so for Hollywood Fringe next year. Yeah. Having gone through this process, I would re- I'd be very surprised if you were as anxious and stressed about it next year, probably as you would be for this. Um, if you had done like four one-hour shows and you were still stressed to the point that you had to take a bath at night, then I might be like, "Oh, there's <laughs> there's something really stressful about it." That's you know, very true. Like that is that that is that would be worrying, right? 
but this is natural. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I just still every night I'm like, is this any good? Here's here's when I'll calm down. If tomorrow we have a little dress rehearsal, we're inviting people. Um, have you invited anyone? You- uh, Eric's gonna come, and other couple people were maybes, but I'll send some specific. Um, texts. Okay. I, I, other than posting on Facebook, uh, I haven't like collected a lot. I've I've, I've uh, yeah, I feel like you don't need tons of people there. Right. If I get 10, 15 people, yeah. I'll be really, really happy. Cause, um, but if tomorrow goes well and people seem to enjoy it, especially non-magicians, I will feel a billion times better. Mm-hmm. Um, that Tomorrow is a huge, huge litmus test for like how I'm going to feel for the next week. Especially because I'm going to be it's I'm gonna be so powerless from Monday to the fringe. Yeah. Uh, because um, I'm going on vacation. Uh, <laughs> In retrospect, do you think this vacation was a good idea, the timing of it? <laughs> No, and I knew that then. Oh, okay. Um, I was like, that's going to be really... Because basically, we, we, we kind of settled on, on what are the, what's the, the, the most easy... Th- basically, my, my, my parents, you know, who are closer to retirement age, and my mom was kind of, you know, after the traveling I've done, you know, with, with shooting stuff and yeah. sending her pictures and talking to her about it, it really just drove her to want to uh, travel to She has to not Europe. been to Paris, right? She has, but not oh. in 20 years. When her and my, the, my dad were on the road, they went to Paris and London a couple oh, okay. times. Um, so they've been there and they love it and they know it. Um, but it's probably been twenty. I mean, before I and we once went to London as a family when I was a kid. I was like six years old. So I've been about twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was but that was it. Um, so they have been to Paris probably since the eighties before um, my uh, sibling or myself were born, um, which was nineteen ninety and ninety four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my mom was kind of like my my parents are both in their uh, early sixties. Um, they're sixty one, sixty two. Uh, and I think there was, yeah, there's, my mom was kind of like, I just want to re- travel now before it, it's harder to, and you know, too late to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, great. So we were going, and then it was kind of an, a, a question of um, like, all right, well, basically based off their, they te- they're teaching summer school. Uh, they're, they're basically their schedule. They've got a little gap in their schedule. Yes. Because yeah, yeah. they so, have to, they can't do a post-fringe vacation. Right. Yeah. And they couldn't do a pre-July uh friends um right. uh pre-July tri- trip because of of their schedules um teaching summer school. So it was kind of like, all right, what would you rather do? And they they put it to me. It was kind of up to me. They said, "Would you rather leave the first 10 12 days of, you know, July and then come back and go to the fringe?" Yeah. And we talked about it a lot and it just did not make sense to leave, come back and then leave again. Yeah, for sure. Um, Even though that's what I'll probably be doing. <laughs> uh right. But you're also getting Paid it all stuff, yes. you know. Yeah. Are they paying for your flight back to LA? Oh no. Okay. No. Well, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I paid to fly to New York to be on Broad City. Do you want Broad City? Yeah, I'm oh. in an episode of Broad City. Um, I'm not, you know, I've never really watched Broad City. Oh, it's great. I've only watched a couple episodes, and I've liked it. I've never sat down and really. Got oh, into it's it. great. And they're last great. night I was listening to Andy Richter's new podcast, which you shouldn't listen to. Don't go listen to it. Stick to this podcast, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, called Three Questions with Andy Richter. Uh huh. And he uh, interviewed his first episode was with um, Alana, Jake, uh, no Abby Jacobson. Oh, great! I, I confused her name. Alana Glazer. Yes, Abby Jacobson. Um, so I was considered a local New York hire for that. That's the only way they would cast me. So I flew myself to New York to be on that show, and I'm pretty sure I lost money to be on that show. However, it paid off great because that clip from that show has like gotten me meetings with people and stuff. Yeah. Um, but the Chris uh, uh, knocks over a plate of spaghetti and then poops his pants. It's really funny. Yeah. I mean, hey, if that's what the script says. Right. And then I'm he goes, Mamma Mia. That's a spicy meatball. <laughs> um, so we saw the daytime Emmy. 
Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, we have nine minutes, kind of. To we're, talk about we're, we're cutting it out earlier today because I, I, there was a car accident on the freeway, and I was late. It was a doozy of an accident. Ooh. A car was, like, upside down on the freeway. All the windows were shattered. And it wasn't really the, the car to move to the the, uh, the carpool lane. What was really killing, I mean, so that killed the lane. What was killing the traffic was there were two giant fire trucks. Yeah. No ambulances, oddly enough, but two big fire trucks blocking, like, you know, three, ne- uh, three <laughs> of the lanes on the 118. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that... Um, if you what what's our uh, email set up pod set up at gmail.com, at gmail.com. send us an email if you when I get my video and my notes if you want to see them I'm I'm I believe that even though things are painful it will be probably illum- first of all I'm sure if the roles were switched I would love to see someone's audition video right. and see the notes that went along with it um and uh, you guys just have to uh I guess be open to the fact that it's going to be probably cringeworthy to watch. Okay. Uh, you know, the other thing that makes me sad a little bit is that not not being in the accepted in the castle means I don't have this little stamp of like validation. Like when I talk to you or Taylor or, or Robert or whatever, right. that's kind of like, oh, he's good enough at this stuff to like be in the conversation to talk about this mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I think that carries along that sure. with it. Well, I think you're good enough to talk about these things. I don't. I mean, and I I know about eleven people that also don't think. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it was a close, you know, vote. Maybe it was six to five. Yeah, maybe it was like maybe you got twenty sixteen. Yeah, it was a or a Gore Bush kind yeah. of thing. Um, maybe they called the Florida Magic Castle and went, "What do you think?" And they went, Ugh, uh, "Who knows?" <laughs> Ask Chad. Um, <laughs> so, oh, so Man, anyway, send us an email, and then uh, maybe on a later uh, episode as we get closer to. October when I could re-audition I'll talk about exactly like what pieces I'm going to do because I think I'm probably going to change out a couple things um, my bet is they probably wanted one of the four to have a little more slights in it, mm-hmm. um, it but we'll see what they say like yeah. I don't know what the feedback is um, I've read feedback from other people's failed auditions and they were very encouraging in the writing of them so if I get the, back this written feedback and it's kind of like kill yourself <laughs> yeah exactly if it's just we wanted to close the magic castle forever so yeah. that people like you never show up again. Uh, if it's a doodle of me, like, like inside a closet at the magic castle, uh, dead, yeah, and not being found for like three days, yeah, uh, then maybe that will be discouraging. Or if it's just like a clipping of like a Hilton ad, <laughs> it's just like, here's the only way you're gonna get in. Oh. Go book a room at the Hilton. Oh, <laughs> people are gonna be angry that you said that. Touchy subject, I guess. They don't like that deal. <laughs> um, so wait, we got what? We got about six minutes. To talk about lectures? Yeah. Um, Let's talk about lectures. Did I talk about no. on here about that? I saw John Kerry and Dan Harlan in Australia. You did. Okay, but we didn't talk about Juan Luis Rubial. Juan Luis Rubial. Which was, you thought was one of the better lectures you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so Juan, we saw uh, Juan Luis Rubialis at the Magic Apple last week, July 3rd. It was a, a packed room, more or less. I don't know if they were sold out. Last I saw, they were not totally sold out. Um, but the room was pretty full. Probably 25 people, 20 mm-hmm. people. Um, it's a small room, so it, it was full, but that's still only like... Also niche. turned around from the other lectures I've seen. It was oriented differently. Oh, yeah, it was oriented um, facing um, I don't think it was as full as the other lectures I've seen. And oh, I th- interesting. And by the way, I would I credit to Brent from Magic Apple... He's bringing good people in. Yeah, I, that's what I was gonna say. Is uh, this? Yeah, um, the last two lectures I saw there were Boris Wilde, which was a very good lecture, and he's mm-hmm. a really strong performer. And then before that, Roberto Joby, which is also one of the best lectures I've ever seen. 
And uh, and that the, see, the the thing I, I keep thinking about this uh, Ruby Alice lecture is that it was very 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 good. And he's this foreign performer. People kind of know him. He's a bit of a name for himself. And I I just wish people had paid more attention to him. I think that it, it, this this should have like when, when that room should have been more packed. Right. Well, when when Joby was here, uh, you know I um I called like two weeks beforehand. And said, hey, I'd like to go to this lecture. And they said, oh, it's sold out. We can put you on the waiting list. And then the day before, Brent called me and said, hey, you got off the waiting list. But I was a couple spots down. So I mm-hmm. think there were a lot of cancellations or, or something like that that happened. Um, that should have been the case for this, given the, the quality. Uh, uh-huh. And so I think it just it kind of uh, – I, I want to be careful with my words here. But it just bums me out that – But no Irish people should be allowed to come to this lecture. Irish need not apply. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> No, but it 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 bums me out that like these foreign performers are coming, and they're getting these like and they're doing this wild, cool, interesting, very subversive stuff, and they're really trying to push forward, and they're really coming up with new things, and it's very interesting what's happening in other countries, yeah. and then they come here and it's uh, uh they get these like lukewarm reactions. Or lukewarm receptions, rather. Right, right. I he mean, got great reactions. Yeah, Ruby yeah. Alice got like you know. I, I'm sure a lot of people were surprised by him and didn't really know how good he was until they saw him. Right. I think of when I saw, I think of when I saw Miguel Angel Heya and Miguel Munoz, right, an incredible coin magician and the reigning FISM world champion of magic, do a lecture. And there were like 25 people there. Is that um, the castle? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and I, I, I was, That's I was crazy. I was livid. I was so upset. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and I would like, um, right. Tom stone and some other very creative Swedish people who are not here that often showed up. And there was like 30 people there. And it's like a half full lecture. Right. Ugh. And look, not that I have any problems with Jeff McBride. I think Jeff McBride's very good, but like we know him and we've seen him stuff and he's here all the time. But anytime he shows up, we have to jam into the palace because 130 people want to see it. Because yeah. it's like, I just, there's this weird automatic respect that's given to like the guys in West Coast or uh, Western magic. Right. That um, I just think, I, I think magic is being surpassed in other countries. Uh, and I, I think like we yeah. need to listen to those people. Shoot, uh, 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 Reed Chang, second place FISM, general magic, great performer. Incredible, incredible, incredible act. Some brilliant fucking stuff. He just, he, he, like, he, it really felt like he moved magic forward single handedly with his act. And, um, shoot sent me a picture of, he saw him give a lecture in Korea or might have been in Japan. Um, shoot flies back and forth a lot to visit those performers. And, uh, he sent me a picture on Christmas Day. She was doing a lecture and there were like 150 people there. This room was packed to watch him, you know, and, uh, and, and he, if he were to show up to the castle, like, no one would know who, who, who he is. Mm hmm. Um, and I, and I think there's this weird, the, the, there are a lot of people here that are not paying attention to what's happening elsewhere. Uh, and that bums me out cause there's some incredible stuff happening. I lot. wonder if the thing that bums you out is it kind of reveals that not that many people care about moving it forward. I think <laughs> more than that. They don't know who Reed Chang is. Right. I, I, I don't know about that. Um, necessarily. I, I would say the, when it kind of when it comes to politics, it's a very similar thing. It's not mm-hmm. like one group's trying to hold us back and one group is trying to push us forward. It's like we both want to move forward, but uh, our understanding of the best way to do that and what is a successful way to do that and how that should be done are wildly different. Um, and a lot of people like this sort of classic feel, and that should be understood better. Uh-huh. Uh You know. Right. So if a classic performer from another country came, maybe. Like, I wonder what... Uh, I, well, I hear people describe themselves as like, I'm someone who does the classics. That's my thing. Um, Not that he's classic, but like if Pitt Hartling comes and does a lecture, would it be more attended? 
Yeah. Because it's very card heavy or whatever. And yeah. Um, Pitt Hartling, I think, is great, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm saying know. he's more like, he, he's, uh, his, his, the things he might teach might be closer to what guys here want to learn. Right. Uh, but also, I'm, I'd be curious to know if there's some embedded country stereotypish things where, like, if Reed Chan comes over, they're just kind of like, well, it's just going to be a bunch of, like, FISM stuff that I'm not that interested in. And, yeah, like, I think that's exactly know. what it would be. <laughs> yeah. So, in other words, stereo- racial stereotypes are correct. Uh, uh, that's what I heard you just say. Um, no, but like I want, I I do. Wait, feel, wait, wait, wait. What? No, no, I was just kidding. I feel like um, there is. You mentioned this before, but there is like a there's similarities between like the Spanish magicians. So yes, if like if let's say you watch videos with Danny Diorties and Juan Temeris, and you're kind of like I like it, but it's not really my thing. And then and then Juan Luis Rubiales comes to do a lecture. I wonder if some people are like, well, you know, I already know that like the stuff that those guys do isn't really my thing, so I'm not going to see this guy either. Even though, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if those guys all see themselves as like completely different. Like they probably do. They probably don't see any similarity, or like they probably see huge differences between each other, right? Within their realm, right? But from our perspective, we're kind of put an umbrella over all of them. Sure, but I think I I, I would be hard pressed to find anybody out here. Uh, that like has it, you know, it's like, oh no, Tom Rez sucks, or uh, uh, you know, Danny Dirty sucks. Um, I've heard someone say that they Woody Aragon was not for them, um, right? But they recognize that he's a smart person, he's a talented person. There's like, yeah. I just don't like his styles, and for me, um, right? But uh, so th- there's a lot of credibility and clout given to these Spanish performers, and it is not a secret that their community sort of informs other people. So when those people come over. I just feel like they... You should, like, go check out what their secret sauce yes, is. Yeah. right. You, you, um, like, while uh, Spanish performers in a country that is famous for its close-up magic and its its domination of close-up magic... I also think some people don't want to um, it, it admit that that's happening. They would think, like, America is where it is uh-huh. because yeah. they like this American style of magic. Um, I, I, For instance, and I won't uh, say who, but when, when I saw Miguel and Helgea and um, Miguel Munoz in the close-up... Uh, is that the, the one we went to? Or no, you saw them in close up. I, sorry, no, I, I saw them their lecture. Oh uh, yes, at the palace that week. Um, for a while, they've been doing this thing at the lectures at the castle, where uh, members of the board of trustees who have felt passionate about those performers have come to kind of introduce them and talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mike Caveney was there, and he said something that I did not think was controversial or int- at all. Uh, I completely agreed with it, and I will say it also publicly on this podcast. Uh, and anyone can hit me up in the comments. Um, but he was basically like, it, you know, he goes, we're really excited to have these guys here because for the past 20 years, Spain has just been dominating close-up magic. Mm-hmm. And somebody verbally in right in the front in the center, uh, front and center went, meh. <laughs> and, I, and I wanted to kick him in the back of the head. And I was like, first off, you're, you're at a fucking lecture. Like, show some goddamn respect. Yeah. Second of all, like, I, I don't disagree with that statement in the slightest. Right. In the slightest. I, I, I think that's... Uh, in the last 20... Oh, look, I'm not saying that American magic, and granted, Di Vernon was Canadian, but, like, West Coast, uh, you know, uh, North American magic wasn't hugely important in the 20th century to what we have now. Yeah. But right now, there's a, like, there's a modern era outside of America uh, that I'm very interested in, mm-hmm. and a lot of people in America um, seem to be less interested in, mm-hmm. or dismissive of, or willfully ignorant of, and that just breaks my heart. By the way, that person was Max Maven. That person... 
was David Copperfield. <laughs> David Copperfield. Um, he goes, well, you must not have seen my 1997 special, David Copperfield, Live at the Apollo. Here, let me get a television screen so you can put your finger on this one number. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, I think that's good for this oh, week. Oh, yeah, 48 minutes. Um, I am a failure, and uh, I'm going to quit magic forever. Great. We'll see you next week on this <laughs> podcast. Next week. <laughs> uh, and next week, uh, wait, you won't be here yeah we gotta figure that out oh yeah we'll figure that out um do you Maybe have permission we'll do... to, to to put out that interview you did in australia i'm still editing it oh, okay so, and i needed to send it to him and have him see Got what it. he thinks that would be a good thing to put in next week yeah because then the week after that i will be in scotland and we can do a uh oh no you'll still be on the road i we'll, get we'll figure scotland it out this we could even do a podcast maybe uh, what time do you leave saturday uh, i leave monday oh you leave monday so we could do one over the weekend yeah we could figure... uh regarding your run through yeah Oh yeah. Um cool. Uh everybody out there keep practicing. Uh try to hit that green table standard. Don't stop believing. You're not good enough to be in the castle. <laughs> Except Theron who listens to this podcast. Congrats Theron. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>you have been listening to the setup discussions of comedy and magic. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please follow us on Instagram at setuppodcast. Shoot us an email. Our email is setuppod at gmail.com. That's setup uh, with two Ps. Um, setup podcast. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't clear. Uh, we also have a Facebook page that is just the setup discussions of magic and comedy. Uh, also, please give us a rating on iTunes, on um, iTunes podcast. Uh, give us a five-star rating. Let people know you're enjoying it. That will go a long way. And if you're really enjoying it and you really want to support us, give us uh, a little bit of a donation on our Patreon. Become a subscriber of this podcast. Yeah, we don't have a Patreon job. God, you have to tell me these things before we record this. Now, All right, just stop. Stop. <laughs>